Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Caroline. And I'm Anna. And this is Seriously, the pop culture podcast from the New Statesman. Happy Christmas! Happy Christmas! From Caroline and I, from the past. Yeah, we're speaking to you from the past right now. It's still a week before Christmas. Yeah. But we are talking to you after Christmas, because we're going to talk to you about Christmas television. This is the Seriously Christmas Television Special. Insert sleigh bells, which I might actually do in the edit. (laughs) (laughs) Although we have not actually had our Christmas holiday, we have watched quite a bit of Christmas telly in advance, especially for you. So we do have thoughts on Christmassy things. We do, and we also have for you the result of our kind of Christmas television poll, where lots and lots of you wrote in and told us all about your sort of Christmas televisual habits and what you enjoy, what you don't enjoy, but watch anyway, um, all that kind of thing. (laughs) so that's what traditions have been hammered into your christmas schedules through no choice of your own until you believe that you like them exactly i have quite a few of those (laughs) yeah so that's all coming up later on in the episode sorry for any annoying noises in the podcast there's building work going on in our basement and this was the only time we could record so sorry (laughs) but through the magic of preview discs and streaming and emailing polite prs several times a day (laughs) we are able to, to talk about the things that are on British television, sort of the 23rd, 24th, 25th. Yeah, so things that hopefully should have come out already. Shall we start with the one we didn't like? Dickensian. The plan was to watch a couple of episodes of this, right? But neither of us could stomach more than one. So listeners who maybe have been watching it and actually stuck through it a bit, let us know what you think. But Dickensian is basically... I thought it looked quite interesting from the outset because it's a mishmash of all different sort of Dickens plot lines and Dickens characters woven together in one soap-like extravaganza. Imagine a world with all your favourite Dickens characters. Keep up, Bumble! Morning, Mr Marley! Good day, Mrs Gamp. What a world it would be. Over several half-hour-long TV episodes. 20 half-hour TV episodes it's going to be. So 10 hours altogether of television. But then if you think they're trying to get, like, the plots of about... 10 different novels, very long novels as well. I guess they couldn't really do it in less, I suppose. Yeah, and all the um, timelines have sort of been squished together, mm -hmm. haven't they? So you get you get like a young Miss Havisham. Yeah. So all these things, you know, despite the fact that they would have happened at quite different times. And that Dickens wrote the novels over like 30 years. Yeah. They're all coexisting. All of the names you know, Scrooge, Pickwick... 
Bill Sykes, Mr. Bumble, Mr. Bumble, Fagin, that they all apparently live on the same street, (laughs) which is that kind of tickled me because clearly the BBC built like one Victorian street. Yes. yes. And then everyone lives on it. But Um, there is something in that, I think, in a weird way, in that when you do read a lot of Dickens or when over your lifetime, when you've built up a lot of, you know, Dickens books in your sort of like book memory bank, they do do that a bit. In, in your head. They no. do merge. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, it's, sometimes it's a bit like, oh, wait, which which one's he from? And you can kind of imagine them all being friends or, like, loosely related in some way. I'm pretty sure that if I were to watch more of this, which I have a sneaking suspicion I might have to because I think my family's probably going to really like it. This adaptation is going to make me more confused, not less. I'm like, which one's Mr. Tulkinghorn? Mm. Is he in I Bleak House or is he <laughs> in Great Expectations? I can't remember. You know, it's just, yeah. just going to confuse me further. I, I Like You was kind of hopeful for this because yeah. I really liked the BBC adaptation of Bleak House they did a few years ago. So did I. Oh my god. Like, um, I've watched the whole thing like four times. Bury me with it. And it's like, so long. <laughs> I love it so much. And it was so clever the way they did it. You know, Bleak House is like a thousand page novel ostensibly about one court case and yeah. all of the ramifications from it. But they, they chopped it up. They I feel like with that adaptation, they took it back to its kind of roots as a serialised monthly story when Dickens wrote it. So they chopped it up into half an hour episodes and they made sure to end each one on a kind of plot twist or a cliffhanger. cliffhanger It was very sort of true to the structure Mm. of the original novel, I think. We should talk about that probably one day because it has so many great things in it, like ridiculously young Kerry Mulligan being amazing. Yeah, and Anna Maxwell Martin's amazing yeah, in it as well. Yeah, she's great. Charles Dance yes, as Mr. Tolkienhorn. As Mr. Tolkienhorn. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's a good point. Let's file that away for a future episode. But yeah, so having really, really loved that and having rewatched it several times, my whole family loves it. Like, we're not... Yeah. We have this weird thing where, like, we're sort of not allowed to watch Bleak House unless we're all there. That's really cute. Like, you sort of have to have a Bleak House quorum before you can put the dvds on that's so funny <laughs> listeners for your you know for insider information before we started recording caroline was quoting little bits of bleak house which are the same bits that my family quote it's mm. like so embedded in our like family consciousness so yeah the guy who's like shake me up judy but also <laughs> i am but a child in these matters if yes. you ask anyone to do anything in my family that they don't want to do they say oh but i am but a child <laughs> in these matters i know not like <laughs> it's yep. so great my oh god everyone says that <laughs> Um, yeah, so having really, really liked that, obviously, borderline obsessed with it, clearly. Yeah. Hopes were high. Hopes were high for Dickensian, because they seem to be following the same structure, right? So mm. quick, punchy, half-power episodes, but a lot of them, and obviously set in the same world and based drawing on the same author's work. But for some reason, I just didn't like it. No, it wasn't, because I think what I was hoping for, the thing is, if you watch a BBC adaptation of Bleak House, you're expecting something that is quite serious, you know, Someone like Gillian Anderson being amazing, yeah. like it's quite serious and like carries the weight of the original novel. With this, I was kind of thinking, oh, they're like mishmashing up loads of stuff. Maybe they'll be very playful with it, and maybe they'll use it to like point out ridiculousness mm. in plots, and like maybe the characters will be real caricatures and they'll be really funny. And that's what I was hoping. I thought if this doesn't take itself too seriously, it'll be really interesting and fun. And I found it quite po-faced and like grim, isn't not it? really smart enough to mm. bear that po-facedness yeah it wasn't self-mocking or self-aware at all yeah and i'm not saying it has to be played for laughs but i agreed i was hoping that there would be some because dickens is like that dickens Mm. wrote everything even the most sort of pathetic and sad moments of he wrote firmly with his tongue in his cheek Mm -hmm. kind of thing yeah so i was i was sort of hopeful that this would have some of that 
kind of style to it, but it didn't. So instead, I felt like I spent a very long half an hour watching a lot of people in top hats walking around. Yeah, and mm. I would kind of lose interest with some of the plots because I feel like each little strand of plot that was introduced, you're a bit like, oh, which one's this then? Yeah, and once so, you work it out, you're not interested exactly, in Exactly, yeah. exactly. So it's a bit yeah. like a, a bit of a fun game. Yeah, it's like a kind of Dickens trivia test. Yeah. And then once you've passed, don't care. Yeah, exactly. In fact, the only one that I was vaguely interested in and that I could be convinced to keep watching for if I was assured there'd be lots more of it was the young Miss Havisham one. Mm. Because I feel like in Great Expectations you don't get much of young Miss Havisham. Well, no. Because she's old in at the time of the novel. You get a few like her reminiscing and a bit of her story. But we're never kind of in the moment with young Miss Havisham. Mm. We never, we always see her in her kind of twisted later state and it's such a character that really captured people's imaginations mm. in the like oh what happened before like that carol ann duffy poem where she's like calling him a bastard and whatever like that people are quite interested in that narrative and where it could go yeah exactly um so i i'm i'm interested in the kind of prequel that they've written in for that character yeah played by tuppence middleton she's not a particularly well-known actress yet but she was in a really really good adaptation of a recent bbc adaptation of the lady vanishes Oh, right. Um, which I believe is on Netflix. Perhaps I will have to recommend you that as a future point. It's very good. I really liked her performance in that, and I sort of would be interested to see what she does with young Miss Havisham. Mm. If I could just have that bit. Yeah. Do, do you think someone will make me a young Miss Havisham supercar after Maybe. it's all been on? <laughs> <laughs> make them lots of cups of tea. Do you think they're going to go with one like big plot reveal? Just invent a ridiculous thing that links everything together? Or... Maybe. Well, so Tony Jordan, who's the sort of showrunner who yeah. has previously worked on EastEnders. For years and years and years. So he comes very much from a kind of British soap opera background. Mm. He also did Life on Mars, which is just one of the best things ever. I wonder whether he might go with the traditional EastEnders Christmas plot of like blowing up the pub. <laughs> 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 Maybe you will. Yeah, I'd be interested. I, I think if I do watch it, which felt very unlikely when I was watching it like at 8pm yesterday by myself, it would have to be a communal let's take the piss yeah. out of this show kind of activity. So like I say, I can see if the other three members of my family are keen, I will obviously watch it with them because that's what you do at Christmas. Yeah, um, and then we can start a support then, group yeah. <laughs> for other people forced to watch it with their families. Um, so yeah, so that was Dickensian. Shall we move on and talk about Stickman? Yes, we talk about Stickman. Did you like Stickman? I did like Stickman, but you've since made me question everything I thought about <laughs> Stickman by writing your article about... So, well, you, you say what it is. I'll explain what Stickman is, which is every year on British TV, I don't know if they send them over to the States, but no they do half-hour-long adaptations of Julia Donaldson picture books. She is of Gruffalo fame and, you know, Room on the Broom and those sorts of ones. And so they've done, they did the Gruffalo, they did the Gruffalo's Child, both of which they I love. And they always have like an all-star cast of like Helena Bonham Carter, James Corden, Rob Brydon. Like, yeah, doing all the voices. Yeah, yeah, very sort of like British Christmas specialty actors. And then this year it was Stickman, which is the story of this like actual Stickman who's so keen to tell you that he's Stickman. And he's constantly. not He's not a Stickman. So when I just saw the title and hadn't realised it was a Julia Donaldson thing, I thought Stickman as in like, I've a just cartoon. drawn a Stickman. Oh, right. But no, he's like a twig. He's a walking twig. Uh, I used to work in the children's section of Waterstones, uh, so I'm very familiar with the Julia <laughs> Donaldson oeuvre. Stickman is sort of like a twig branch thing with a nose and eyes. And arms and legs. And arms and legs. And he's got like an identical 
stick wife and stick children. So the plot is that he ends up getting lost from his family in a quite convoluted way where a dog like takes him away to play with and then like a some swan ch- puts him in his a nest. A swan uses him for a nest and then some children play poo sticks with him. Yeah, and, and he's then, always like, washed out down out to sea in the river. And, and then a kid uses him as a sword and then a baseball bat and And all he's of these firewood things. eventually. Yeah. Yeah, so all this stuff happens to him and he spends an entire year basically trying to get back to his family. So you have all these bits of his adventure and then like shots back to the family home changing, you know, with the autumn leaves falling or whatever to indicate the passing of time. They wait for him for ages. But I just, I mean, you know when you're sometimes like, am I joking or am I not joking? I was like, this feels very conservative and like... (laughs) promoting a very sort of traditional heteronormative nuclear family where it's like his stick man with stick lady wife and yeah. stick children and they should all be together all the time as a family unit and, and that they, is what family is and, and they live is. in the family tree it's called yeah. Yeah. um which you pointed out in your piece is like the symbol of sort of um patrilineal yeah. s- structural prejudice <laughs> or something <laughs> yes I, yeah it's quite a it's all about lineage and very weird and then also like every time they bump into another family they're the same it's like mum dad Mm. three kids yeah for me it was quite like oh like those cards you used to get where it would be like i've got the baker and the baker's wife what Mm. have you got and you had to like sort them into families i don't know i can't even remember what that was called but happy families happy families yeah Yeah, exactly so the idea of the happy family is matching mum up with dad forgot about that game yeah it is all it kind of is awful now because you would be like well you know maybe two women could have a baby or like maybe some people don't want to have babies or like maybe your family is just like you and your 80 year old grandfather and Mm. that's all it's a very like there is one style of family and it's the most important thing in the world and also stickman is like a bit of an egocentric idiot because all he does is run around going, I'm Stickman, I'm Stickman, and then he gets back to his family. All he says is, I'm Stickman. <laughs> yeah, that is. I'm Stickman. And you're like, wait, what are you doing? <laughs> the sort of literary references that you laid into your piece I really appreciated. Oh, okay. So, like the fact that um, he is essentially Odysseus trying to get back to Penelope, yeah. i.e., Stick Lady Wife. And also, she is essentially Mariana of Tennyson's poem, Mariana in the Moated Grange, yeah. sort of waiting. But also, because Martin Freeman voices Stickman, he's also Bilbo. Oh yeah, of course, <laughs> of course. He's so many things. I mean, I guess it's just a narrative that's oldest time. Yeah. It's like man goes on crazy adventure while wife waits at home. And it's like, oh, I hate that. Well, so I guess with The Hobbit, he doesn't have a wife waiting yeah, at home. True. But the bit that more that triggered for me was because Bilbo is not, at least to begin with, a particularly enthusiastic part of mm. the party is he and also Stickman didn't really want to go on this adventure it did all sort of just happen to him no um, but I stand by the fact that his, it's his own fault for going on an early morning jog yeah. like a complete and utter psychopath <laughs> yes. who does that especially straight after Christmas yeah Ugh. yeah um, although maybe it was him turning over a new leaf <laughs> um, after like at the beginning of January yeah I think the little leaf does sort of like start growing on his head at that point so That's a good point yeah. yeah so Stickman if you hadn't opened my eyes to the problems with it <laughs> I, for which I thank you I probably could in a kind of cheese haze have watched it quite I did quite enjoy it I mean like, it's quite nice to see like a little Stickman bobbing up and down yeah. a, a the rushing music's river. nice as well yeah and Shout out to all the voice cast. Yeah, so, they are excellent. Russell Tovey is a dog. Rob Brydon's a snail and a f- frog, I think. Rob Brydon loves the voiceover work, doesn't he? Oh, yeah. He just loves it. Can't <laughs> get enough. Uh, overall, I give oh, it high Hugh, marks. Hugh Bonneville is Santa. Oh, yeah. So if you weren't watching the Downton Abbey Christmas special this year, no why worries. why would you not be? You're still going to get your Hugh Bonneville <laughs> fix. So. 
of the kind of trio of new things we picked out, we've definitely, definitely saved the best till last. Yes. It is. Oh my god, I almost forgot. I was How like, wait, what, what, what else we did? Never fear, listeners. Detectorists is here. But yeah, they did a Christmas special on Christmas, day before Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve Eve. Christmas Eve Eve. The anti-penultimate day before Christmas. Yes. Very good, Caroline. <laughs> I'm, I'm very, proud. very smart. I'm very, I'm very proud of knowing that word. <laughs> Yeah, so Detectorists have done a Christmas special, and I didn't know this was happening. I was already, you know, happy, sad about the end of the second series. And then we, I think we, didn't we see Johnny Flynn tweeted that he just finished the music for the Detectorist Christmas special. Yeah, I also feel like I should say, I when we last talked about Detectorist, I hadn't finished the uh, the second series, which I now obviously have. Mm. And oh my god, it's just so, it's so good, guys. Like, please go out and buy, like, a DVD, like an old person, if you haven't seen it, because you just have to. It's so good. It's so beautiful. And so then the, the Christmas special kind of picks up a few months after that, where he's going to visit his find in the British Museum, and Andy's, like, come back briefly to visit from, so he, things are going really well for him and his wife and his son in Botswana where he's gone he's come back and so he goes out detecting for for old time's sake with his mate but the the episode is very focused on Lance definitely and I think Andy's plot line was more wrapped up he got a neater end in the series than Lance did and I think that's perhaps why it was important to come back and focus on Lance a bit because although Lance did have perhaps what I think is like one of the greatest emotional moments of TV ever in the final of the second series he didn't have as consistent a plot line throughout the series yeah he sort of had one thing going on which was his finding his daughter whereas obviously Andy went off to Botswana at the end of season two it's a lot more about sort of Lance's life after his find and also after Andy's gone away and sort of what he's up to. Are you all right, Lance? I've noticed you've not had anything on the finds table for months. I haven't found anything since that Aston. Yeah, but, mate, that jewel is a once in a lifetime. Nothing's ever going to compare to that, the usual buttons and... No, no, you don't understand. I have found nothing since then. Not a buckle, not a ring pull, not even scrap. I get phantom signals, really good, strong signals. They just disappear as soon as I start to dig. It's the curse of the gold. Shut up. No such thing. Don't be so sure. Remember what happened to Lenny Drinkwater when he found that Viking bracelet? He didn't fill in his hole. Beryl Cambridge steps in the hole, breaks an ankle. Brett goes gangrene. Leg comes off below the knee curse of the gold. You get the feeling that he, you know, since Andy's been gone he's been spending quite a lot more time on his own yeah. and he's got really preoccupied by the idea that he's been cursed by finding the gold and that wasps keep stinging him and like things keep falling on him and he hasn't found a single other thing since finding this amazing artifact. Yeah, when before he was finding at least like 10 1986 lilt pulls a day. So, <laughs> yeah, it's very odd. In the kind of the tradition of like Christmas ghost stories there's a slight supernatural element coming in. I got in. quite freaked out, actually. Yeah, you were scared, <laughs> weren't you? Um, but in a quite a nice way, in the best way, which is always the explainable and could just be characters being suspicious, but yeah. could have a, you know, an actual supernatural edge to it, which I really like. Because I heard Mackenzie Crook talking about the special on the radio before I watched it, and he said, you know, yeah, it's got this kind of ghost story feel. Mm. And I was a bit like, ooh, that sounds like not 
that in keeping with the tone of detectorists, but he makes it work. As, of course. Of course he does. Didn't he also say in that same interview that he still hasn't decided whether he wants to do any more? Yeah. Yeah, so you were saying that the special, not we won't spoil it if you haven't seen it yet, but it's left fairly open-ended. Yeah, there's there's no kind of... And I'm very pleased that it is the case that it's like this, that it's there's, there's no, like, grand wrapping up of everything mm. or anything like that. It just... It, there are some stories that are kind of finished but the characters don't feel you don't feel like your relationship with them is over yeah I mean I'm actually going to make reference to something that I'm sure I'll talk about later in this podcast but one of my favourite pieces of British TV also starring Mackenzie Crook ever mm. is The Office UK yeah. and when The Office UK ended he says uh, Martin Freeman's character Tim says turning the camera off is not really an ending is it and that's what how I feel about the Tetris. You I just, just feel felt like... a tiny bit weepy when you said that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's such a good line. Uh, but I feel like that with the Tetris, mm. that if it ends, they've just turned the cameras off. Yeah. And that's how that's always like an amazing piece of TV when the characters are actually just like still pottering about somewhere in your mind. Yeah. And that's what they've done. Yeah, that's that's the mark of the best writing, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So we loved it. Please watch it and please watch everything else they've done. And Mackenzie Crook, if you're listening, please write more. Yeah. Oh my god! And but if so, so, seriously, listeners, if you if you do watch Detectorist, please please write in and talk to us because yeah, we, we don't have anyone else that. to talk to about this apart from each other. Yeah, well, should we start. I don't know. We'll start a Detectorist fan club. We'll have bag badges and jackets like their Detectorist club. Oh, we could have a weekend before we go back. Um, anyway, uh, yeah. So please let us know. Please watch it and then you know get get on Twitter and tell us how much you like it. Will you search through the long? the earth for me Climb through the briar and bramble I'll be your treasure There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. So we also want to talk about our Christmassy traditions and our kind of old classics to get out of Christmas. One thing that we both immediately said when we were thinking about this segment was Gavin and Stacey's Christmas special, wasn't it? Yeah, I just feel like 
the more I've thought about this, the more I've realised that Gavin and Stacey is like soaked into all of my ideas about yeah. Christmas television. Yeah. <laughs> that lots of things that I think are in other programmes, Christmas specials, are actually, actually in Gavin, in the Gavin and, Stacey. and Stacey one. Yeah. Um, Gavin and Stacey's so funny with language as well, that like it's all the little quirks of language that really stick in your head. Mm. Like it's not necessarily like, oh, remember this plot or like, oh, remember that scene. But like you'll just say things and you'll be like, wait, where was that from? And then it'll be Gavin and Stacey. Yeah, Stacey's. exactly. So the I feel like the really totemic Gavin and Stacey Christmas bit is when Smithy and Gavin are singing Do They Know It's Christmas. But say a prayer Pray for the other one At Christmas time It's hard Song. A modern Christmas classic. He off at his best. And mature. Don't forget mature always gets overlooked. Do you mean mid-year? Yeah, that's what I said, mature. It's not one word, it's two. Mid-year. Is it? I thought it was mature. Like mature cheddar. Yeah, it's to so each good. other over it's the so phone. Oh, yeah, I love that because he calls, doesn't he? And Smithy's already like he just, mid song. Yeah, so he, he just answers it and he's like, there's a world outside your window. And Gavin's just like, Gavalon! <laughs> Gavin's just walking down the road on the phone. He's like, sing it! <laughs> so he just sings in the middle of the street. Yeah, yeah that's they're really brilliant. going for it. I love to, I, it's one of the best things about Gavin and Stacey is when Smithy and Gavin have like a shared joy. Yeah. And this is one of them. It's and really I feel good. like that's so, I don't know, that, that really encapsulates all of my lovely feelings about Gavin and Stacey. Which, incidentally, if you haven't watched, is a British sitcom from the mid-noughties about a guy from Essex and a girl from Wales who get together and... Embark on a long-distance relationship and yeah. have to keep meeting each other's friends and family and therein lies the comedy of the tension between the two yeah. groups. And travelling back and forward across yeah. the country. And yeah, that that's, that's all it is, really. But it's fantastic. And speaking of phrases... I realised one of the things that always makes me laugh is, so you know the bit when, so Smithy is James Gordon's character, who's Gavin's best mate. He turns up for Christmas at Gavin's house and he's brought all his presents for everyone and he like tips them out of a bag onto the floor. And Gavin's mum's like, Smithy, why have you wrapped everything <laughs> in tin foil? And he goes, it's a dream. You just scrunch. And then he does, he does like a kind of scrunching gesture with his hands, which is a lot like a kind of Katy Perry raw gesture. <laughs> But with, with tinfoil, it's brilliant. Oh, yeah, um, it's so good. I, that always sticks in my mind, the idea that you could just wrap your presents in tinfoil. Like, yeah. I'm just, you could. Why, why wouldn't you? Yeah, so there are so many things about it that just really say Christmas to me. Especially because when it was be- still on and being broadcast on like BBC One by the end, it was like the most popular comedy yeah, on the BBC. Yeah, it was really at its peak when so, that special came out. So they, they used bits of it as like all of the Christmas stings on television. Yeah. So you'd like for weeks beforehand, once they, because they do this thing on BBC television where about a month before Christmas, all of the like interstitials between programmes telling you what channel you're on suddenly just have like snow in them. And, and they, they do big super cuts of all their Christmas programming. Yeah. But I, I had a look and I found them all on YouTube from like seven years ago. All of the like continuity 45 oh, second no clips of Gavin and Stacey are all on there. Because yeah, that's how big a deal it was. Like the BBC put it at the heart of Christmas. Yeah. So it's no wonder we feel like we do about it really. Yeah. 
But there's so many things there, like it just does so well. I think Gavin and Stacey has always handled music really, really yeah. well. And obviously James Corden's like sort of very boyish love of music comes through in it. There's the bit in the coach where Dave coaches drives Nessa and Gwen and oh, Bryn yeah. down and they driving do home for Christmas. They do driving home for Christmas. And also Mick gets the piano out and they do yeah. Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. There's loads. They really get that sort of groaning familiarity when a Christmas song or any really yeah. popular song comes on and you're with a group of people and everyone's like, oh, but they're at the same time they're like, no, I love this one. <laughs> and they get that tone so well. And just little things like you were saying, you really remember the the line when smithy comes walks into pam's house for christmas oh yeah (laughs) oh yeah so he goes merry christmas to you and also your king (laughs) which is obviously a corruption of the actual phrase but it's yeah i also love when he's like mick where's that turkey i'm famished at some point he goes and 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 mick's doing some nigella shit with that turkey that i cannot (laughs) wait to get inside me yeah, yeah there's, there's so many like just great little bits like that i could just watch it endlessly it's also like surprisingly an emotional one mm. the christmas episode because uh, oh yeah one of my favorite lines in it so there's a big confrontation between the two sides of the family when they realize that gavin is uh, moving to cardiff fam just like yells i know about you the bitches of eastwick which <laughs> 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 makes me laugh so much <laughs> Yeah, so Gavin and Stacey, obviously, um, other staples of Christmas television in the UK are Doctor Who. Yeah. So that's, I think, didn't, our, our colleague John, who is a massive Doctor Who fan, told me a good fact just before we came down, which is Doctor Who now holds the record for the most consecutive Christmas specials. I do always watch the Doctor Who Christmas special with my dad, who only watches Doctor Who Christmas specials. He's never seen any of the rest of it. And for some that reason... That's a very confusing way to watch I Doctor know, Who. I know, but for some reason we've developed... must be like, there's a lot of Santa in Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> for some reason we've developed this thing where, because I know marginally more about it than he does, he asks me questions every 30 seconds, like, who's that guy? Why is he there? I thought this was a time thing. What, what's that? What, who, who are they? Why, why, why Christmas? Oh, bless. Um, why is Kylie Minogue in it? That kind of thing. Um, <laughs> Literally nobody knows. <laughs> so we don't really watch it so much as have a kind of ongoing argument. <laughs> that is the best way to watch all Christmas Whilst TV. it's in the background. Yeah. Um, so that's, I look forward to that. Downton Abbey's been a, st- oh, yeah. a stage That must off. be big for you, Caroline. I don't trust Uncle Julian. I think he might kill everybody. <laughs> Yeah, they're always so miserable, aren't they? All of the like broadsheet columnists who like to pretend that Downton Abbey is actually like a fancy period adaptation, mm. every Christmas have to confront the fact that it is just a, a soap. soap in old-fashioned costumes. Yeah. Because they always do something like murder somebody really horribly or like something catches fire or someone goes to prison for no reason, which is, get out of my house instead <laughs> of the like, get out of my pub. Yeah. <laughs> but it, yeah, it, it matches up very well to an EastEnders Christmas special. This year is the last one. So there will be lots. And I think, just from the kind of various spoilers and stuff I've seen, he has exactly fallen into the trap that he is determined to wrap up everything. You know how the the last Lord of the Rings film is just nothing but endings, one after yeah. another? I'm pretty sure that's what the Downton Abbey Christmas special is going to be. Oh God, isn't that like pairing everyone off? Pairing everyone off, giving, like, giving closure to every single storyline, even though, like you were saying, totally not necessary. Good TV doesn't do that. But anyway, so... That's going to be, our colleague Barbara was saying when we were chatting about this, that that's the thing she hates most about Christmas Day television. It's like ITV's most lucrative thing. Yeah, so Um, it gets the best slot. Or gets the best, gets the like 9pm slot on On Christmas Christmas Day Day. when everyone's too drunk and tired to move from in front Mm. of the television. So you've got a captive audience. So all of the highest value ads are in it. So there are so many ad breaks that 
doing what is essentially like a one hour 20 special takes like two hours it's awful god <laughs> no um and i say that as someone who's you know a fan yeah. anyway so that's that's something to not really look forward to to endure <laughs> one of my very idiosyncratic christmas watches is this beatrix potter like cartoon adaptation so they did like a series of beatrix potters you know like peter rabbit and jemima puddle duck and stuff as like cartoons and they're all bookended by like real life obviously not real life it's not the real beatrix potter but like live action footage of an actress being beatrix potter like sitting down to like write the thing oh i've seen those yeah Yeah, they're they're quite weird i like them all they're Mm. all great but we had a particularly fond vhs copy of the tailor of gloucester uh, where I'm from is very near Gloucester, and it's there's lots of sort of cartoon shots of Gloucester Cathedral and stuff, and it's set at Christmas time, and it's about the tailor trying to make um, a, a posh wedding coat for the mayor who's getting married on Christmas Day. So it's all about the build up to Christmas Day and him trying to make the coat, but he's poor and his cat has to go out and buy him more like stuff, and the cat doesn't do it because he buys milk or something instead. The cat's evil, and there's mice. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. You know, Sussex Carol. Yeah is like really in it the whole way through so it's like there's carolers that come and knock on Beatrix Potter's door and sing Sussex Carol at the beginning but Mm. it's also sort of a motif throughout the thing it's just very very festive and there's original songs you know with little (laughs) drunk rats and things singing them and it's great sounds really nice yeah it's really good a slightly well completely the opposite of that in terms of how nice and thing my family always like to do is watch something really grisly and grim Mm. so the last few years we've saved up a, one of the Scandi noir things for Christmas. So one, so we've watched. That's really bleak. As all it of gets. the series of the killing, the bridge, um, all that kind of stuff. So this year we've we haven't watched any of the third series of the bridge. We're all on a kind of on on our honour not to watch it. My mum's been recording it, and we're going to watch Aww. it all together over Christmas. That'll be quite fun. I watched the bridge season one and found it so utterly traumatizing. That I will well, just not. I have not revisited. So that that is. There, so there've been two that I've seen. The third one, obviously, I haven't seen. The first one is the best one in the mm. sense that it's the most coherent. The second one got really, really stupid. I'm pretty sure the third one will too. Okay, cool. Um, but it's all... The the sillier it gets, the more like gory and weird. So, yeah. Mm. The, the second series involved some like vegetarian anarchists wearing pig heads, murdering people. It was awful. Um, <laughs> yeah, so that, that was a fun Christmas. <laughs> that doesn't sound like my vegetarianism at all. <laughs> the, another thing that my sister and I like to do is stay up late after my parents have gone to bed and watch a Harry Potter film. That's a classic. You have to do that. Me and my sister watch quite a lot of Harry Potter over Christmas. It's really fun. My absolute favourite one of all time has to be The Office UK, yeah. which I haven't actually watched for a few years, but it's just like so in my mind it's like the greatest the greatest christmas special ever yeah i really think Mm. so because it's like we were talking about this with barbara and she was like yeah it's i forgot how bleak it is like they devote like over an hour to just like making you feel depressed and then the payoff is so big that you're just like oh my god it gives me so many warm and fuzzy feelings just (laughs) think about it yeah and it's just so like low-key and again they use music really well yeah they do yeah kind of bad disco they they have a yazoo cover of only you (laughs) but it's like it's like the most emotional thing ever (laughs) i don't really know how they do it it's amazing to me but again it's just one of those ones where the characters are so real for you that you're so invested that any little bit of hope that you get you're like oh my god this is so emotional and they're so they're so often like vile to each other as Mm. well that 
the kind I don't know the kind of seeing them imbued with Christmas spirit yeah. moves you far more than if you just saw a nice person. I would. The only thing is, there's not enough Gareth. There's not enough no, Mackenzie Crook. I love. I love one of the best bits. Just stays with me so much. Is they do Christmas. Uh, what's called Secret Santa, yeah. and he gets presumably from Tim a TA. Kendall, because you know they tease him all the time about being in the territorial mm. army because they're like it's not the real army so he gets like a Kendall in like military gear and he opens it and he goes well i specifically asked for vouchers so annoying <laughs> <laughs> and it's just so well delivered and so whenever anyone gives me a present i really want to go well i specifically asked for vouchers so annoying <laughs> So now it's time for us to chat about some of the many, many recommendations you sent in. We couldn't watch most of them because obviously you just sent us so many, but we'll share them in the interest of, you know, Christmas being all about giving and sharing. <laughs> Did you buy that? Yeah, I do. And, and so there's, it's been really interesting actually to see where the overlap has been. There are some things that appear on almost every, you know, yeah. almost everybody's emails. Um, and obviously, and then some kind of more idiosyncratic things from, you know, what part of the world you're from or just your particular preferences. So here's an email from Leslie who said that a couple of her Christmas favourites include Christmas movies that are also in the rom-com variety, which is a popular one, that's I think. A, that's a good space of the Venn diagram. Yeah, right? exactly. So she's she's mentioned The Holiday and Love Actually. Um, hopefully you enjoyed last week's Love Actually special. Don't tell us if you didn't. Yeah. <laughs> but she says, I would also highly recommend Sandra Bullock's While You Were Sleeping. Her awesome 90s outfits are almost reason enough, which is like, definitely reason for me to watch something yeah. so i'll do that she also recommends justin bieber's christmas album which is just like yeah definitely <laughs> definitely up for that so ed got in touch to tell us that one thing he was obsessed with as a kid was bernard and the genie which is not something i'd heard of before mm. apparently it starred lenny henry as a man cursed into a lamp as a genie for two thousand years and alan cumming as a downbeat finder of this lamp in the modern day i.e the 90s it was set in london at christmas and it was written by richard curtis so of course it also has rowan atkinson who has questionable <laughs> who has questionable facial hair and speaks in an odd way oh that sounds like, great yeah so that sounds really good that sounds like a real guilty pleasure not that i believe in guilty pleasures but i also really love the fact that as soon as you say it was written by richard curtis it makes sense. It makes total <laughs> yeah, you're sense. Like, well, Lenny Henry's a genie and someone finds him in the 90s. And you're like, oh, but it was Richie Curtis. Yeah, 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 yeah sure. So yeah, thanks very much. I'm definitely going to seek that out. It sounds brilliant. It sounds weird, <laughs> which is good. Uh, then we've got Anne who said she's super excited for the release of Sophia Coppola and Bill Murray's Netflix, A Very Murray Christmas. Which, which I've ne- seen on the thing, but I I don't really understand what it is. Netflix has been recommending me that solidly for weeks now. So And also... Do you ever have that, have that where Netflix is convinced that you're going to like something yeah. and you resist? I, I tend to resist because I don't like being told what to do. And then I finally give in and watch and I was like, you were right, Netflix. Damn it. You were, Algorithms are taking over the world. You were so right, Netflix. I'm sorry I ever doubted you. Um, <laughs> so I will watch that because clearly I'm going to love it. Um, Anne's another person who's recommended Love Actually. Again, 
check out the special. Plug, plug, plug. Though if you're listening to this, we don't really need to plug you anything. Cause... So Roz emailed to ask whether we would be doing some kind of seriously Christmas special. Spoiler, we just have. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and they say, I realise there was a great deal of source material for this, but personally, if you covered the Home Alone series, my personal favourite is Home Alone 2 Lost in New York, and perhaps the Muppet Christmas Carol carol or the modern classic elf it will be a festive treat well we hope it has been a festive treat and also i absolutely concur on home alone 2 and so do i oh my god a fellow believer in home alone 2 i don't like home alone well i don't not like home alone 1 no i love home alone 1 but home alone 2 is better because it's weirder yeah but home alone 2 just has an edge for me yeah i'm such a home alone 2 truther like i'm always like to my friends like yeah but have you seen home alone 2 (laughs) and then i literally got a load of whatsapps from a friend the other day being like oh my god oh my god oh my god and i was like oh my god what's happened is she dying like and then i uh replied and she was like i'm watching home alone 2 by myself and like laughing out loud (laughs) it's so so good it's just great so it's for anyone who's uninitiated it is the exact same plot as Home Alone 1, but uh, instead of getting left behind, Macaulay Culkin, Kevin McAllister, accidentally flies to New York with his dad's credit card. I mean, imagine the stuff that can ensue from that, and it all does happen. He's like, well, it's not Harrods, is it? But the equipment, it's like an, an enormous Dreaming toy store. Or something, or, yeah, well, yeah, it's called like Duncan's to- Toy Store or oh, something. Oh, yeah, I can't remember. But I don't think it's real, but mm. anyway, so he's like raiding like the toy store, just having a great time there. He's books a really really expensive hotel room at the Savoy and is just like living his best life (laughs) he like finds an abandoned house of his uncles to like set booby traps for the very same burglars so he's got that bit covered too it's amazing and it's also like really really touching and there's an amazing scene with an old homeless woman who he's scared of and then realises that it's just another human being and they like talk about (laughs) they talk about like being vulnerable and like Kevin McAllister does a metaphor (laughs) where he's like but I got a brand new pair of roller skates for Christmas and I liked them so much that I never ever went on them and then they you know what happened I grew out of them and you don't want to grow out of your heart (laughs) you're like oh my god this is so cheesy but I'm so here for it Uh, so yes please everyone watch Home Alone 2 Roz I completely agree with you and we had an email from Dana who's uh, originally from Germany uh, and her has been living in the UK for over five years so she's given us like a quite good smorgasbord of like German British stuff and she says that in Germany the last unicorn will be on TV every year around Christmas an animated film from the 80s made by the guys that later went on to form Studio Ghibli and really has nothing to do with Christmas at all like anything there is snow for three seconds and that's it <laughs> so, weird uh, but it's beautiful and a film that has been with me literally all of my life Christmas without it is not an option for me and it always baffles me that people here don't seem to even know it exists uh, and then she says on the 25th it's either Die Hard or National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation which are pretty big staples but that's funny to hear about the last unicorn I definitely want to check that out because I feel like if it's become a Christmas staple like that it must just be like a magic quality to it yeah. that people have connected with and that's why they it's on at Christmas time because it's just a magical time Dana also recommends Dry Hazelnusse for Aschenbrodel that was my best German accent great German by the way <laughs> Three Nuts for Cinderella and it sounds very beautiful. It's based on Cinderella, but with a twist. So yeah, dry hazel noosa for Aschenbrodel. <laughs> You're just showing up now. <laughs> I definitely don't think that was right. So thanks so much, everyone, for all your nice Christmas recommendations. That was a selection of them. And, and we hope that you've had a good Christmas, because we're speaking to you in the future. Mm. I hope I have had a good Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> I hope future me is having a good time. <laughs> we're bad at this. Um... Yeah, we hope you've had a good Christmas and that you'll find something in what we've talked about to catch up on before you have to go back to work in January. Bye.
Thanks for listening to Seriously, the pop culture podcast from the New Statesman. If you enjoy what we do, you might want to consider following us on Twitter at SRSLYpod. We post links to things we've mentioned in the show, gifts we like, and all manner of other things you'll probably enjoy. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.